Hey everybody, I'm your host Eric Mueller, and welcome back to The Eric Mueller Show, the podcast where we explore what makes any successful person's inner clock tick. My guest today, B. Jeffrey Madoff, is the author of Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas. His book is actually based on a class that he developed and currently teaches at the Parsons School of Design in New York City. Every week, Madoff has a conversation with a unique guest, ranging from artists and entrepreneurs to venture capitalists and business leaders. Drawing on Jeff's decades of experience and the experience of over 100 diverse industry experts, Creative Careers takes you down an accessible path that will lead to success in any field or endeavor. Jeff is also the founder of Madoff Productions. As a gifted storyteller and incisive interviewer, he has helped position major brands through the production of commercials, branded content, and live streaming events. You've probably heard of a few of his clients, Ralph Lauren, Victoria's Secret, Radio City Music Hall, and the Harvard School for Public Health. Now, Jeff began his career as a fashion designer. He was even chosen as one of the top 10 designers in the United States, but he later decided to switch careers to film and video production. He has since expanded his reach to include teaching, book and playwriting, and theatrical producing. Jeff has recently been a guest on The Tim Ferriss Show, as well as Entrepreneurs on Fire with John Lee Dumas. Both podcasts come highly recommended for me, and I actually hosted John Lee Dumas for episode 8 of this show. If you haven't checked it out yet, please do so. But a big takeaway for me from today's episode is this quote from Jeff, I question the questions. Listen for Jeff's thoughts on how you can ask yourself the right questions to find out what excites you. Let's head on over to the interview. All right, so welcome back to The Eric Mueller Show, the podcast where we explore what makes any successful person's inner clock tick. Today, you're going to learn how to make the most of your ideas and harness your creative potential. Welcome to the show, Jeff Madoff. Thanks for having me on, Eric. Hey, thanks for being here, man. I I think you, you bring a really unique piece to this show because... Like idea generation is really such a core piece of entrepreneurship and really anything that that someone wants to pursue on the creative spectrum. So... I really want to start by, by just asking, how do you yourself generate new ideas? I actually find that even the phrase generate new ideas, like it's some kind of a machine that spits them out, uh, kind of funny. Because really, when you're talking about regenerating or generating ideas, what you're really talking about is thinking. You know, So right. how do you think? And what do you think about? And I'm a huge believer in maintaining curiosity and wanting to pursue knowledge for its its own intrinsic value and what's interesting to you. So I think that the more curious you are, the more you seek knowledge. The more you seek knowledge, the more dots you have to connect in your brain. And the more dots you have to connect in your brain, you can come up with ideas because you just have a much broader palette to paint from. And so, you know, I have a really wide range of interests. I am eternally curious. And the combinations that those can spark can lead to new ideas. Right. And and is that piece like like a focus on education? Like you yourself, you know, you're educated at the University of Wisconsin, uh, studied philosophy and, and psychology. 
Do you think that it's really, really important that people get that formal education? Or is this something that you could even self-teach if you're deciding to not go to college? Uh, I think that I was a very curious person uh, before I went to college. I had teachers, actually, when I was younger, that would say, why do you ask so many questions? Now, by the way, when I teach, I encourage my students to ask questions. I was discouraged when I was younger. That didn't stop me uh, because my parents were incredibly supportive of that quest that I was on since I was a kid. So they were great because that was never a thing at home. So that never shut me down. But I have seen how it shuts people down. And I was never afraid to ask questions. And that's one of the big things, even teaching on the college level, like I've done for 15 years, getting people to get over their own self-consciousness and engage in a dialogue because so many people are self-conscious. They don't, they're afraid of feeling stupid. Uh, and that's really unfortunate. And the only stupid question is the one you don't ask that ends up tripping you up later. And if you would have asked it, you wouldn't have made that mistake. So I think that uh, college is not necessary for that. There are things that I think college is great for, but I don't think, you know, you don't need college to make you curious. You don't need a formal education to somehow systematize your thinking. And so you can do very well without it, but there's also advantages to it. Yeah, I, I think at least for me, you know, having gone through formal education at the undergrad level and, and the, the doctorate level after that, I think it just kind of building habits of taking on a certain workload. I think that at least is a benefit that I've found to be able to balance, you know, because as you go forward in your life, it seems like, you know, you just continue to get more, more responsibilities. And especially if you're trying to go the entrepreneurship route or create a business, you know, there's going to be a lot more things thrown at you and you got to be able to balance them. Um, have you found anything to be effective with, with having that balance between work and life? Or do you find if you're so passionate about something, like when you started in fashion designing, you know, it's kind of blends like where your, your life and work kind of almost become simultaneous. You can't tell the difference is, did you find anything that helped you with, with distinguishing the two, or did you just find it to be just kind of a natural blend? Uh, you know, I think the whole notion of life work balance, uh, is an assumption that's not, not based on anything. Uh, and I think that, you know, for everyone, you kind of find a different rhythm. It's different when you're single. I'm married. I have two kids. Uh, you know, when I was younger, I didn't think, I didn't have to think about the impact taking certain risks would have on me, you know, because it was just me. And so I could navigate any of those risks quite easily. Getting married, having kids, I realized that there are, you know, the actions can have consequences and you have to think of others beyond yourself. And so it's a constant dance. I'm really fortunate because my wife uh, really understands the kind of aberrant life <laughs> that I live. Yeah. Uh, and that's really important and great for a certain sense of harmony. Not to say that we're always in harmony because we're not. Uh, and anybody who claims to always be in harmony is either, you know, uh, someone sneaking into the back of the pharmacy at uh, Mayo Clinic or, you know, realizing that life has its challenges and you're not always successful at meeting those challenges. Hopefully you learn from the mistakes you've made. But I don't think a life work balance uh, is a destination. I think it's a process. And sometimes 
you're in step and the dance of life is going in a really smooth, wonderful way. And other times due to all kinds of external circumstances, you might be stepping on each other's toes. And the problem is not with having conflict or difference. What's important is how do you resolve that in a healthy way? So I can't say that I've ever achieved life-work balance except certain moments along the way, and then something else blows it up, and you know I'm involved in something else, and then you hopefully get it back in check again. But it's a constant dance. Yeah, it's encouraging to hear you say that because starting like I'm only not even two years into my my post college career and my professional career, and it it's kind of it's a challenge like finding that that balance so to speak. So it's, I'm glad to hear you say that it's not like necessarily like something where you just achieve it and then you're there cemented <laughs> in that and just it's like that machine of every day. So I think it, it kind of draws back to, you know, the generating of new ideas, really generating something such as an idea or work-life balance is really not like maybe a realistic goal because you you just have to you just have to take that natural approach and, and live your life as, as it comes to you in a way. Is that does that kind of sound like the right thread there? Well, I, I think that that what it is is I question the questions. Okay, so somebody said to me, "So how do you achieve the life work balance?" Well, first of all, sounds like a notable destination, life work balance. But what does that really mean? What is life work balance, and is it even achievable? And why do we assume that it is? And why do we assume that it's a good thing to achieve? I mean, balance seems to be good, but nothing that is creative comes out of a sense of balance uh, because there is an outside, outsized portion of risk in any creative endeavor. And the more you put yourself out there and put yourself at risk, the more, in a sense, out of balance things can be for a while. So, you know, I, I question those questions and the assumption that, you know, well, uh, how do you achieve life work balance? Well, I don't know. Does anybody actually achieve that? Is that really a destination worth going? Or is the real question, if there are others in your life, uh, how do you live your life to maintain and sustain the relationships? Because I think that's the most important thing in life is the integrity and the maintenance of the relationships that you have that are important to you. Is that life work balance? Uh, Not, I don't know. Because yeah. I don't even really know what the hell that means. Yeah, that's no, that's that's a great concept, and it it gets my mind thinking. With so I mentioned you you were in fashion design, and then you made the switch to to film and video production, where you started your own company, Madoff Productions, um, which you're currently still the CEO of and founder of. But in that in that company, you've collaborated with some big name brands like Ralph Lauren, Victoria's Secret, Gucci, to name a few. You know, on that topic of of building relationships and building a network. What, what have you found to be effective strategies to obtain opportunities to work with big brands like that? I mean, so you're in New York City. That helps being in, the, in a location where, where that is maybe a little bit easier to run into those, those, those companies. But have, what have you found to be like a networking you know, piece of advice or a tip for someone that wants to kind of break into the space in any industry and kind of network with some of those bigger names? Well, you know, what you're really talking about when you talk about networking which is another phrase that I think has been pounded to death. You know, right. how do you network? How do you network effectively? That's to me, when I hear that and when, when people say, well, how do you establish such a strong network and how do you do that? So if you look at it in the whole, how do you establish a, a strong network? It's not 
by being a taker and trying to get things from people. It's also having things to offer to people. And so what that really comes down to when you look at it closely is how do you form relationships? Because that's what it's really about. And uh, a network, it may be concentrated on business, but it's about relationships. And one of the most fundamental building blocks of any relationship, be it among friends that has nothing to do with business or a business that you're trying to build, is establishing trust and that you are a trustworthy person and that you deliver on the promise that you put out there, whatever that might be. So I think that uh, trust is a huge factor and having that credibility. So, you know, I've built up a body of work in my uh, video production where you can go to my website, you can see the quality of work that I do. Doesn't mean we're going to get along, yeah. but at least you get a sense of, oh, this person does work that I like. Uh, let me meet them. And the real tipping point comes in when you have when you have gained that person's trust and they're then willing to put dollars against that proposition if you're doing business uh, in order to start a relationship because that's what business relationships are ultimately. And, and the difference between business relationships and personal relationships is business relationships are transactional. You know, we have a relationship because we want something from each other. Mm -hmm. You want my work, I want your money. And there's an exchange that goes on, a transaction that goes on. Doesn't mean that you don't have fun. Doesn't mean that you don't enjoy each other, but it can be a mistake to confuse that with friendship. Because mm -hmm. it's not really friendship. It's a professional relationship. And I try to make all the relationships in my life as fun and as pleasant as possible. But I'm not going to call Ralph Lauren at three in the morning when things are crashing down on me. I'm going to call my closest friends. And right. there's a difference. And, you know, Ralph didn't sign on to become my personal counselor, nor did I sign on to be his. He hired me to do good work. I deliver good work. And in that process, not only established trust, we established a very nice professional friendship. Yeah, that that was wonderfully stated, Jeff. And I, I think it's really, you know, really just keeps me thinking about how I want to be a better, you know, aspiring entrepreneur or, or a future you know, businessman, so to speak. And, and really like that ethical piece that you hit on, it seems like that's a very, very common thread in, in the people that are successful in business. Because at some point or another, if you're scamming people, or if you're not, you know, if you're not a trustworthy individual to do business with, you're not, you're eventually going to hit a plateau or you're not going to grow. The word is going to spread that. It's like, Hey, Eric's not, you know, the guy you want to work with in this certain space. So I think that that's a really powerful piece for people to, to listen back on. And, 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 and Jeff really, I want to touch on that that shift that you made from fashion design into film and video. So when you started your own thing, was there a certain event that prompted that shift or did you always know that you wanted to take that entrepreneurial route and start your own company? Well, by the way, when I started the fashion company, I mean, I started that. That was an entrepreneurial right. venture also. I think it has, uh, I don't think, I know that it had everything to do with my growing up. My mom and dad were entrepreneurs. Uh, I grew up in Akron, Ohio, and they had uh, retail clothing stores there. So my sister, who is also an entrepreneur, and she owns her own business, uh, you know, we grew up in that kind of a world where 
our parents owned a business. They discussed business with each other during dinner. Uh, there was a mutual respect. And it, was, it was really interesting because at the time that my parents were first married, the idea that my mom had to work, there were a lot of people that said to her, what's the matter? Can't your husband support you? And it was a very different world then. And they would say to my dad, what's the matter? Can't you support your wife? And he said, it has nothing to do with that. This is what she wants to do. And I respect what she wants to do. And they were very good business partners together. But I grew up in an entrepreneurial environment. And probably considering my mom, my dad, my sister, and myself, we're probably all unemployable. So it's a good thing that we're entrepreneurs because that way we can at least create our own jobs as opposed to trying to get one. So yeah. I just grew up in that kind of circumstance. So it wasn't like, oh, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I never thought about anything else. It was never for me. The goal was never to get a really good job. Did, did you did you see some some certain traits in your parents and, and whatnot that that predisposed them to entrepreneurship, so to speak? Or, or were you able to see those habits that may, that maybe showed you that they were going to be successful in whatever they chose to do? No, 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 I, no. Because I was a kid, you know, you know, the world that, you know, when you're a kid, you know, yeah. looking through the rearview mirror now that, you know, I'm, I'm older uh, and as I have reflected back on my parents you know, could I see things? The way our brains work, Eric, is that we try to organize information. And in organizing information, we create our own narrative as to how we arrived at where we are. Is that really true? Who knows, right? But that's what we do as human beings. And that's what we've done as human beings since we were in the caves. <laughs> that's what happened. Uh, but in growing up in that situation, and I didn't grow up in a cave, <laughs> growing up in that situation, what I saw was normal. You know, that's the reality that I knew uh, that my parents worked, that they owned their own business. And so I didn't think about, oh, what are the character traits my parents have that has led them down this path? Uh, now, looking back, I know that they were both very independent, outspoken people and that uh they both started their careers quite young and that that's just kind of who they were. So that sense of independence, a strong sense of leadership uh, and the desire to do something pretty much on their own terms uh, is in looking back what I saw, but while growing up, no, I think the main thing that I was conscious of, or that I became conscious of early was the fact that there was a parity between my mom and dad, that it wasn't that the male dominated the relationship uh, and made the business decisions that I grew up, my sister and I grew up at the dinner table, hearing my parents talk about the day's business and, you know, how that all went. And so I never had an issue with women who were in powerful positions you know, because it always used to get me, even back when I was in college, when, you know, a guy who was strong in business was, oh, he's tough, he's good. And a woman was a ball breaker. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would think of my mom, my mom wasn't a ball breaker. She's just really smart. And she was aggressive because she had to be. That's how you start a business. 
And so I always, I was aware of that duality because I didn't grow up in that. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up with that distinction. Uh, so I tend to be quite agnostic. I don't care what your gender is. I don't care what your sexual preference is. I don't care what your religion is. I don't care about any of those things. Are you smart? Are you curious? Do you have a sense of humor? Are you, do you have an engaging personality? If you have those traits, we'll get along. And I don't think about, are they an entrepreneur, not an entrepreneur? It's more about the quality of person, which goes back to the notion of establishing trust and building relationships, be it a business network or be it your friendships. You know, you don't call your friendships a network, right? Oh, I have a great network of friends. Already I'm thinking, all right, something's wrong with that guy's brain. You (laughs) You know, so it's really used to be called contacts. Now it's called network, but it's been the same thing forever right? It's who do you know? Who do you have access to? And who, because you have access, trusts you enough to do what you ask them to do or somehow engage with you. And so it all goes back to that again. Yeah. And and I'm sure something that that you did see, whether it's in hindsight or when you're in the moment with your parents was was their creativity and their ability to, you know, think about things differently or or look for solutions, which, you know, a great entrepreneur should be doing that. And in your experience, why, you know, with your class and your book that that focuses on making a living with your ideas and being creative in your career, which I'll tag that LinkedIn in the show notes, everybody, please check that book out. But Jeff, why is it so important to foster creativity in one's own life? Whether you want to be an entrepreneur or not, why is it just so important that, that someone allows themselves to, to be creative? For me, it's about fulfillment. It's about not taking things at face value, about learning. Because I find the process of learning and the process of seeking and seeking answers has its own reward. And that's what I mean by fulfillment is that reward. So I didn't think of, that's interesting. I didn't think of my parents as creative again, because that's just what they did. So I didn't grow up with that. But what I did know is our house was the gathering place for my friends and I, and that My parents were fun, you know, and they liked my friends and they were friends with my friends. And there were very few parents that you can make those statements about, you know, and so it was like interesting. So there was just an ease about it. And that's why our house was the gathering point, uh, because my parents were very inclusive and they were funny and they didn't try to maintain that status that somehow, you know, because they're the parent. Uh, they can't engage or you can't question them. And my sister was certainly not brought up with the children should be seen and not heard. Okay. And many of my parents' friends, by the way, became my friends as I got older. And when I moved away from Akron and they'd visit New York, these friends of my parents, and we'd get together because I liked them also. That's why I'm also age agnostic. I have friends that are in their 20s. I have friends just had lunch with a good friend who's 90. You know, everybody's got something to offer if you look and you're open. Well, not everybody. Some people are you're better off avoiding. <laughs> yeah. No, what wonderfully stated there too. Um, and, and Jeff, you talk about fulfillment. So I think really like where my mind went to with that was fulfillment, success, like in a way, like those words maybe could be interchangeable. But for, for you, what is what is your definition of success and how has it maybe changed or maybe not changed throughout your life? My definition of success in business 
has pretty much always been the same. Okay. You know, once I started thinking about it, I didn't think about it off the bat. Uh, it was funny when I was asked when I was a designer and I was interviewed and I was chosen one of the top 10 young designers in the United States, which isn't as impressive as it sounds. Cause I think there were only eight of us. So it wasn't hard to be in the top 10. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I thought that success was if I went into a thrift shop and there were people that were buying the clothes I had designed years earlier and they were buying them in a thrift shop. So they continued to live and attract people and go on. And as a matter of fact, a, a dear friend of mine, this is probably 10 years ago, uh, he was in Pennsylvania at a thrift shop. He was just in a business meeting and I, he knew that my definition there. And he was at a thrift shop and saw one of the women's blouses that I had designed 25 years previous. And so he bought it. And when he came into New York, he gave it to my wife and he said, see, now you're successful. <laughs> so That's awesome. I thought that was really cool. That was really cool. Um, so success for me in business is the ability to say no without catastrophic financial consequences. Okay. So if there's yeah. a job that I don't want to do or somebody that I don't want to work with, I can afford to say no. Uh, and it doesn't affect me financially. Uh, yeah. So that's my definition of success in business is the ability to say no without bad consequences. Yeah. In, and in, in personal life, success is to have a long-term, deep, meaningful relationships uh, and that are reciprocal and ongoing and uh, the kind of people that you can call at three in the morning if there's a problem, the kind of people that you can uh, open up to and that they care about you and you care about them and what's important, most important is each other's health and happiness. And that's what success is for me in terms of friendship. So I do have a difference between the two. Absolutely. Yeah. And and kind of on top of that, and I have a question that I want to ask if someone's curious about how to find their own definition of success, but, but on top of your definitions, either personal or business, you can answer it in any way you choose here. But really my, my show's goal is to explore what makes these successful people driven like yourself. And I want to ask you what, what is a driving force that you found that keeps your inner clock ticking, so to speak, towards that success in personal business, whichever engagement. Okay. Engagement is the most per, is the most important thing to me. In other words, do I actually care about what I'm doing or am I just doing it to get paid? And there's nothing the matter with doing it to get paid by the way, but that's just not how I'm constructed. Uh, I'm constructed that I want this somehow to fuel what I want to do and what I want to be doing. So, you know, I went from fashion to film. You had asked me that a bit earlier and we didn't get to that answer. But what had happened was, and this has been true throughout my life, is I moved to New York. As a result of moving to New York, uh, I lost the financial backing I had for my fashion business. And I knew I would. My, uh, my, I had a very good financial backer once my business, fashion business got some traction. Uh, and he made it clear for me clear to me from the get-go 
that uh, he was investing in me because I employed Wisconsinites. He owned five banks. I employed 120 people and they banked at his bank. And he was a very good man. And from the beginning, he said, this is why I'm interested in your company. I think it's interesting. I think that you can make money. That's all great. There's a built-in workforce that banks at my bank. If you move out of uh, Wisconsin, you know, I'm not going to continue to back you because my criteria for backing a business is they're Wisconsin-based businesses. I reached a point where I wanted to be in New York. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be in Wisconsin anymore. I felt I had, for my goals and what I want to do, I had outgrown that. And I wanted to be someplace else where there were more people like myself striving to do things. And so New York became very seductive to me. Uh, I met some people who uh, I got involved through the fashion business, actually, through a, a man who sold textiles, who I bought from. And uh, his son was getting involved in a film. And he thought, you know, that I was the same age as his son. And he said, you know, do you know anything about the movie business, Jeff? And I said, no, not really. I mean, I go to movies. I've read books because I love film. He goes, well, you've got a good head on your shoulders. And, you know, my son's not going to listen to me. But would you mind meeting it? I said, no, of course I'd meet him. And I did. And it was a really interesting time when he was trying to get this film made. And what happened to me was I became seduced by the film business. I'm ultimately seduced by ideas. I'm seduced by opportunities to express my creativity in different ways. And uh, again, that was something that I learned more looking back than in the moment. But I've known it now for a number of years uh, that that's what really seduces me is ideas and things that are interesting. And that's why I started teaching because that was a whole new challenge and it's constant growth because I'm always meeting amazing people that I have as guests in my class. And, you know, I uh, recently had written a play that was produced and had its premiere on uh, March 13th about the life of rock and roll legend and Hall of Fame member Lloyd Price. And that's a whole new world that opened up to me. And I found that really incredible. And I felt that it used what I believe to be my talents to the fullest extent so far. Yeah. So I always look towards what do I, what really engages me to get back to your question. Mm -hmm. And that engagement is what I look for. And I think that if you are uh, really engaged with what you do, not only are you willing to put up with the really hard parts, because if you're an entrepreneur, there's going to be a lot of hard parts. And there's a, a, a lot of bullshit out there about what it is to be an entrepreneur and that somehow you control your own life and you work when you want it. No, that's not the case. I don't know any entrepreneur that hasn't worked harder than any employee I've ever met, you know, except that you're your own employer. Uh, and so that actually puts more pressure on you to do it. But the satisfaction comes from at least you're going through all of this to build your own business, not a business for somebody else. Sure. And, and that happens to be, you know, what I want to be doing. Uh, so engagement, I think, is, is the critical part that sort of glues all this together in terms of how I decide what I want to do. And I get very excited about something that I'm really engaged in. And in the case of the play, 
wanting to tell a story that I think is very important. And that's very engaging to me. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations on that and the release of that, by the way. And we'll keep Thank everything you. in the show notes so everybody can access all those cool things that, that you are doing and have done, Jeff. And you mentioned that that success, like maybe it wasn't like a definition that you'd thought of early on and and knew like at a young age, like, hey, this is success. Here's how I know when I've, when I've achieved it. But if, if someone's listening right now and they're thinking, gosh, I don't even know the beginning of what success is for my definition. What 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 might you share with them to to put them at ease or or give them maybe some guidance to find their own definition or find their their passion, so to speak, so they can they can pursue something that they're that passionate about, like you with being engaged in, in your projects. Well, although this sounds like an out and out plug, and it is, <laughs> that's what my book is about. Uh, my book is about, you know, how do you ask yourself the right questions? And like at the end of each chapter, and this was, by the way, uh, uh, something that happened, Eric, that I was not aware of until the book was out there for a bit, is at the end of each chapter, there are questions. And one of the questions is, you know, how do you define success? And, uh, and it's following up a number of other people who spoke about their definition of success. So I asked them, well, what resonated with you? What excites you? What is it that you look forward to doing? How do you want to express yourself? All of these different kinds of things so that you have the questions to ask yourself because you really have to think about it and think about what that really means. Some people never ask themselves that question. Uh, some people ask that question once they've got well into middle age and they find that this all there is. This is not satisfying. This is not fulfilling. How do I make a change? How do I go for what I want to do? And by the way, I think that if there's anything positive that came out of COVID, which is hard to find, but I do think that one of the things is that a lot of people hit not by their own choice, but had to hit the pause button because all of a sudden life as we knew it was in transition. And I think that a lot of people started to rethink, well, what do I want to be doing? You know, now that I'm not going to work every day, and I've had a moment to breathe and to think about it, what do I want to be doing? Do I want to be doing that anymore? Because I think one of the things it showed us is how fragile life as we know it can be. And I think that it caused a lot of people to look inward and yeah. to really reassess what their goals are, you know, what their goals were and what they wanted to do. And I think that's really important. It's all about active thinking. And again, back to the curiosity. And asking yourself those important questions. You know, when you are excited about doing something, what is it that excites you? What is it that engages you? And I think that, you know, when you do a deep dive into yourself and into what does motivate you, uh, I think that that begins to help you form the perimeters around what success is for you. And, uh, and there's no right or wrong answer. But you've got to ask yourself the right questions so you can come up with what the right answer is for you. Perfect. And in your book, Creative Careers, Making a Living with Your Ideas will help you ask those right questions and find out the way to lead yourself to what ignites you, what is your passion, what keeps you keeps you driven toward towards your own success, whatever that might be. I think that's phenomenal, Jeff. I really appreciate you being on the Eric Mueller Show today and sharing your insights. Um, you're the first fashion designer, former fashion designer on the podcast. So that that's a that's a big milestone for me. That was that was in my early introduction of the show was to 
talk about fashion enthusiasts and whatnot. So thanks for, for fulfilling that, uh, that goal for myself. And, you know, yeah, we'll tag everything in the show notes. Everybody, you know, definitely read Jeff's book, access his website, follow the cool things he's doing. Jeff, if someone wants to contact you personally to follow up, what's your preferred method? Do you use social media at all or email? Uh, I would say the best way to reach out is via LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, under B. Jeffrey Madoff. And you'll also see on LinkedIn and on Instagram at a creative, you know, the at sign, yep. a creative career, you'll see quotes from the people that I have in my class. And the thing about my class and, and the book for that matter is it's not just my opinion. It's the opinions of many really bright, successful people, who all whom took unique paths. And you can see what resonates for you because it is not you know, a one size fits all question. Uh, I'm very much against prescriptions for, you know, take these seven steps and you'll be successful. That's not how life works. And that's also what I call the myth of replication. You know, you can't, you can't replicate other people's experiences because the circumstances are different, the people are different and everything else. But hearing a diversity of opinions is, again, going back to the beginning of what we talked about, those dots you can connect and help you find your own answers. You've given us so much, Jeff. I, I really appreciate it. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to share this with everybody. And, and really, I think, you know, my definition of success really has, has been shaped from this episode alone. Um, I feel like every person I talk to, kind of like you had mentioned in, in your book with sharing experiences of other people before you ask the question, I think that's so essential to, to hear from others and learn because, you know, I'm sure people listening, you, you can't really do life on your own, or, or I don't know why you'd want to, you know, as an entrepreneur, right. you need other people to help you reach your full potential. So yeah, Jeff Madoff, thank you so much for being a guest and enjoy the rest of your day. And we'll follow up with you soon. Great. Thanks for having me on, Eric. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Me too, man. It was awesome. Awesome.